Hi, it's Precious Pioneer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to my blog audio experience. Enjoy. Okay, I made magical fried chicken last week, and it wasn't overcooked, and no one died. <laughs> Anyone who cooks often, or heck, even those who never do, will tell you that fried chicken is so challenging. It's a funny balancing act of not burning the batter, but cooking it slow enough that the actual chicken isn't raw inside. And you don't want to be a simp and just throw it in the oven after because the texture changes and it isn't as crispy and the chicken is often then overcooked. It's kind of a mess. <laughs> but I have to tell you that I followed a recipe that's in Samin Nosrat's cookbook, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. It's called Spicy Fried Chicken. It sounds pretty basic. Someone should really speak to your editor. I think they would have suggested a new title if they actually tried a piece. When I tell you it tastes like magic, it seriously tastes like Ariana's new album writing love letters to heaven, middle finger and a thumb cause she snapped it kind of magic. And for some context, because I know I lost a few of you, here it goes. <laughs> Something like that. But anyway, Samin's recipe has you marinate the chicken in buttermilk and hot sauce the night before. So the chicken has nearly 24 hours soaked in spicy, buttery, creaminess, yum. Oh, and don't forget to season, which means heavily add salt. Salt aids in this case because during this overnight soak, the salt diffuses through your chicken. It takes its sweet time seeping in, which within itself helps contribute to some of the magic. Let's say you skip the step. There's only so much salt you can add to the outside, but the inside will still be bland. Therefore, salt the chicken overnight if you don't have that kind of time. A few hours in advance at room temperature will do the trick. According to Samin, she says, A small amount of salt applied in advance will make a much bigger difference than a larger amount applied just before serving. So definitely keep that in mind. On the technical side, salt triggers the osmosis, the movement of water in and out of the cell walls, which help to break up, I guess break down the protein and allows them to keep the water moisture inside while it cooks. Basically, salt plus time equals tenderness. So yay for that. Anyway, after I did that, I combined two eggs, buttermilk and hot sauce in a large bowl. By the way, I used chicken thighs with the skin and bone in. Before I did the overnight marination, I cleaned it a little bit more, I cut some of the excess fat. Then I add flour and salt, whisked it in another bowl while I dip the chicken. I had my oil on medium heat. Samin says the oil should be 1.5 inches in depth and 360 in degrees. But while you are frying it, it should drop to about 325 degrees. If you're listening in your car, I would wait on this podcast episode. It's more of a thorough recipe. So maybe take out your pen and jot down notes if you're interested. Um, but let's keep going. This is a double dip kind of recipe. So the chicken is moist from the buttermilk soak. You then dip in flour, shake off excess, dip in egg, shake, then flour again. You use metal tongs to move it around in the oil and it should take about 12 to 16 minutes, nine minutes for smaller pieces, as she mentions. But I found there are key elements that you need for success. Granted, there are many ways to get there, but we want the magic. 
or not at all. <laughs> Number one, you need a thermometer. Yes, you can slice a little and check on the chicken that way. Yes, you can get a feel of the oil, but we do not want oil that is too hot to burn that batter. We also don't want overcooked chicken from making judgments on feel. I love using thermometers simply because it's accurate and it does its job better than we can. So as soon as you have your three checkpoints at 165, it is done, no lower. But you don't want it much higher because that's just moisture exiting and we don't want that. But pay attention to your checkpoints. Never touch the tip of the thermometer to the pan. Lift the chicken out when temping. Check in the thickest area. Check in the area near the bone. That will give you the most accurate temperature because those places generally take the longest to cook. Number two, set a timer. I normally like to eyeball things. Trust, I know the pride of just looking, hearing, sensing the dumbness and all that jazz. But to be frank, we're also human. I'm not just staring at the chicken for 30 minutes. I'm cutting the salad, heating up side dishes, prepping the dessert, cleaning the counters. Just having a set time to remind you to check on the chicken or to flip it will work wonders for you. I set mine for five minute increments. This would help me to stay on track. I would then check the temp and the color. Number three, be attentive. This may sound basic, but it's important to look for different elements of your chicken. When I would check on the five minute marker, if I noticed that it was nowhere near being done at like a 90 degree temp, but the batter is turning gold brown, that's a red flag. So I dropped the temperature slightly. In a mini emergency, I would put a lid or cover on the pan. The hot steam will help cook the inside longer, but it's not covered long enough to make the breading soggy because steam equals water, as we all know. Just learning to be intuitive before something happens makes a good cook. But more importantly, magical fried chicken. Once you've fried your chicken, you're in the home stretch of this recipe. Right now, we've got a class act, like a strong opener. But to be a headliner, you have to add the finishing touches. In Samin's recipe, you create this oil spread that goes on top. To be honest, at first I was really skeptical. I was like, Samin girl, you're trying to tell me that after frying chicken and all this oil, we're about to top it off with some more oil? Are you trying to serve me a clogged artery? But actually no, it's, it's not that deep. And it's the magic we all needed. And truth be told, if you're here for a healthy fried chicken recipe, we happily ate up all the L's of the disappointment that no longer was there. So the oil. I used a quarter cup of olive oil. Then you add some cayenne pepper, brown sugar, paprika, cumin, and garlic. I used garlic powder because I guess I really didn't read the recipe thorough enough, but it still worked great. The recipe doesn't really say how much of each to add, but I added enough of each ingredient so it was more like a greasy paste consistency and where the oil didn't really separate. But mix and match and just taste to see what flavor profile you like the best. I love things that are a little bit more spicier, so I added a healthy amount of cayenne. You add this finishing oil as soon as you set your done chicken on the cooling rack. By the time it's time to serve the chicken, the oil disappeared and turned into this dry rub consistency. Can I say that this recipe, honestly, it just slaps. It's that recipe. It's the recipe that you bring to Thanksgiving. It's the recipe to impress someone. The recipe to take home to your mama, to spoil your lover. It's, it's really like that. You don't have to believe me. You just have to try it. Special thanks to Samin for sharing such a gem. I feel like you'll hear a lot of her from me because one, I'm a true fan. Two, she's wholesome and amazing. Three, I've been experimenting a lot with the recipes from her book. So um, 
Sorry, not sorry. Random plug for her though. If you don't know her, she has a great cooking 101 four-part series on Netflix. I think it's something that anyone would really enjoy. Perfect for families, solos, learning to cook, whatever you're into. It's just really, really great show. I think after that, you'd love her too. If not, for the fried chicken recipe. <laughs> I hope that you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, bye.